You know, you know Christina, my wife. Of course. And here's my daughter. Come here. Oh, come here. Hi, Ken. Hey, Christina. How you How's doing? How's Long time no see. Oh, yeah, long time no see. How you doing? Hi, Ken. Oh. Hi, Frankie. She's um, a year and a half now. Oh, wow. Beautiful. <laughs> Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a cheeky podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we discuss all the topics that you were told not to talk about in polite company. My name is Jose. My name is Christina. That's right. This week I am joined by my beautiful wife, Christina. Unfortunately, there was a bit of scheduling issues. It's been a busy week, and so Joel and I yeah. were going through our final week of school, and it was hard for us to kind of get our schedules to align, to have the stars line up for us to uh, be together. But uh, next week, we'll be back in studio, so to speak, uh, to discuss the uh, recent murder of George Floyd and the protests that followed. But this week, I'll be joined by... Ken Miller, who is the editor of the Las Vegas Magazine, an in-room magazine, uh, which you can find if you book a room in Las Vegas. But unfortunately, because of the coronavirus, uh, they haven't had too many guests, too many tourists. Uh, But first, Christina, maybe before we dive in, how do you know Ken? We both know Ken. How do you know him? I was going to say, I... I love Ken. Ken is is awesome. He's uh, amazing. At least what I remember, because, you know, I've known Ken since I was a teenager. So I'm pretty sure he can't say the same thing for me (laughs) because he knew me when I was a teenager. Oh my God. So he's just a super smart, very intelligent uh, human being. And uh, I've always enjoyed his um, love and appreciation for music. Mm. And not just music, but movies and games. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a pretty big gamer or was when, when I knew him. You probably had the privilege of playing video games with him. I did. I don't remember. As a teen? <laughs> I don't remember what games we played. But yeah, I remember Ken was like a big kid. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was fun. Yeah, we would yeah. sit on the couch and watch movies and play games and I'm, I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd. Yeah. I had, not that I'm saying Ken's a nerd, but there was definitely nerd vibes, nerd vibes. And, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think nerds are amazing. So you married one. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> ladies find yourself a nerd. They are the best. Yeah. So I was friends with Shannon, his daughter, his mm-hmm. stepdaughter. Yeah. And you were friends with Katie, Katie, the eldest yeah. of the stepchildren. So, lo and behold, both kids, their friends, got yeah. married. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> small world. <laughs> too too small sometimes, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Ken is awesome, and uh, we have a great discussion about the reopening of Las Vegas in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. So, stay tuned. But first, let's talk about what we have on tap. So, because of, well... For a variety of reasons. We are running out of beer. 
<laughs> I'll blame myself. Christina is not really able to drink like she used to. No, no. I, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, no, this is so cliche and such a lame excuse. But, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I really feel that after having our daughter, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what happened to the way I metabolize beer or... It just doesn't sit well with me anymore. It's not just beer. It's just any alcohol, really. I just don't feel very well after uh, consuming it. I feel fine while I consume it. I love a good buzz. uh, But the aftermath is just not what it used to be. I just can't handle it like I used to. And I can drink a whole (laughs) six-pack and be fine. So. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it really because, you know, I spent, you know, my early twenties, you know, being in the military, uh, you know, on post, you only had to be 18 mm. to purchase alcohol. So, you know, there was serving, <laughs> serving my country and, uh, <laughs> and being you know, served just, beer and being served, you know, alcohol at the, <laughs> uh, age of 19. I was 19. Yeah. Yeah, so I put in my my days of drinking. You yeah. know, I'm not I'm not missing anything. So this week, because of our shortage of the alcohol of beer, we are sharing a glass of Figaro Mountains Hoppy Poppy India Pale Ale. It's got six point five percent alcohol by volume, so not too bad. The little blurb on the side of the bottle says, "Hoppy Poppy is a light bodied." West Coast India Pale Ale featuring Cascade, Columbus, and Simcoe hops. This brew is bursting with a bouquet of floral, citrusy hop flavors and aromas. Enjoy this beer as you dream of green meadows dusted with poppies. It's not like you're being sponsored by them, but I'll I'll give it to you, okay? This is a good beer. I enjoy a good IPA. (laughs) Hit up Fig Mountain for a sponsorship, man. I know. like... I need Fig to sponsor us. We drink a lot of it. We drink a lot of it, and I plug I them all it. the time. Yeah. We did I the whole plug it. about uh, Lizard's Mouth last week. Oh, yeah. That was such a bummer, man. I cannot believe that uh, they've just run out. And, and I understand because of uh, given the current situation with COVID. So, but, um, here we are drinking Hoppy Poppy, which oh, is good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Figaro Mountain, go ahead and uh, sponsor the show. Yeah. We would love it. And Costco. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> We're always plugging Costco and Figaro now. Well, Fig, I, I honestly have to say, uh, there's not a beer that they put out that I don't like. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some that I favor over mm-hmm. others, but yeah. uh, in general, they just make really good beer. They do. So good. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Jose and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be chatterboxes, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I will discuss... Oh, I'm sorry, nothing poignant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a profound Fred talk. Um, 
this is just something that bugs the snot out of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if any other women out there will agree, but, you know, we like to spend a lot of time on our phones, you know, playing games and whatnot to pass the time. Especially now. Especially now. And I am a huge fan of Words with Friends. I love playing that game. But what I don't like are the men who treat it as if it were a dating site Mm -hmm. or a dating app. I cannot tell you how many times I have been hit on being chatted up. It's because you're hot, but... No, I mean, all I have is a profile picture. Mm -hmm. You know, my Facebook profile picture, Mm -hmm. which is on there. That's it. And... I really got to the point where it's like, do I need to change my profile picture to a dog or our cat? Mm-hmm. You know, like this is just ridiculous. And I mean, I've even had to go to the extent of blocking some of these people. Like mm-hmm. they're just creeps, creeps. And I'm all for conversation. I don't mind uh, a good chat here or there, especially when it pertains to the game or, you know, nice play, you know, you're kicking my butt. Etc. But I mean, these guys are just to the point of being ridiculous. Obnoxious. Obnoxious. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I've heard this before from some of my friends on Facebook. Um, they're the ones who actually got me back into Wars with Friends a while back. But uh, they were posting screenshots of guys being like, hey, how's it going, baby? I forget all the things they were saying. Right. Basil was like, are you free? Are yeah. you single? You know, let's hook up, come meet me. It's like, what? This On is not, words with friends. This is not plenty of fish. This isn't Tinder. Right. This is words with friends. It's it's basically Scrabble. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Sexiest game <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Find all the smartest, wordiest babes. I, I Yeah. I, I don't know, man. But uh, there's just... Uh, I guess creeps everywhere, but you know, I really didn't expect uh, to the extent uh, that I encountered mm-hmm. these guys just being total creeps. Yeah, you know, and and not taking a hint. And a lot of people play uh, with the setting to have the chat feature off. Right. You know, like they just strictly play, no chatting, mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm at the point where I just play with other women, you know, yeah. I know that sounds, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, uh, yeah, I just don't even entertain. And I don't, that sounds sexist, right? It's like, now it's like, am I going too far? You know, like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to strike up a game with another male out of mm-hmm. fear that yeah. it's not even fear. It's just, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm going on a tangent here, but. Well, it's your profile picture. You've got that plunging cleavage. Oh, my the... God. <laughs> don't listen to him. I don't. It's one of those things where it's anyway. it's really inappropriate for guys, if you're listening, let them play Scrabble online <laughs> without having to, you know, shoo you away. Right. I, yeah. I don't get it. Go out and meet, I don't know. Real women. Yeah. In your area, unless you live in the woods. Well, okay. We are in a time of a pandemic, and that's kind of hard to do at the moment, but. True. After the pandemic. Yeah. I want to know if there are any 
words with friends couples out there that have actually gotten together. And I know there are. Sadly. Well, I wouldn't say sadly, but... I'm sure there's been stranger situations. Like two people meet on World of Warcraft and end up getting together. I'm sure there are some um, examples out there. Yeah, and they... Never mind. <laughs> we'll just end that right there. <laughs> so, Words of Friends. I was going to say, those are the ones that are at the Renaissance Festival. Yeah. <laughs> Sick burn. Playing their, you know, Dungeons and Dragons on their honeymoon or something. <laughs> Come over here, baby, and roll my dice. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to offend any of the... Um, any of our LARPing community listeners. Yeah, right, right. But, you know, it's just... That's that's yeah. funny. All right, so I don't have a profound Fred talk this week either, actually. Um, I'm surprised. I just want to keep it short because I want to get into this discussion with Ken Miller. Basically, as you are aware, the CDC released guidelines... That every person should be washing their hands multiple times a day, each time about 20 seconds. So one of the recommendations by the CDC was, while you're washing your hands, you could sing the happy birthday song twice. So I think a lot of people have been doing that. But one tip I picked up from my buddy, Jose Segura, who has been on this show multiple times as a co-host and a guest. Who is also Hose A and refers to you as Hose B. True. And he's earned it. Um, (laughs) uh, His tip was you could do the Lord's Prayer, also known as the Our Father. Oh. Because it is 20 seconds. Uh, It takes about 20 seconds to recite the prayer. Interesting. So that's one way. To, I guess, engage in prayer while also washing your hands. That's a very good tip there. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. Plus, I hate the happy birthday song. Man, I never sing happy birthday. It just makes me feel a little uncomfortable. I'm a little self-conscious singing it. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. You know, happy birthday. Stupid, it is. stupid it's song. It's a stupid song. Right. So to sing it twice in one 20-second period, multiple times a day. Ugh. Yeah. No Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one arm band is crashing and all those holes down the drain. Las Vegas turning day into nighttime. All right, so in this segment of our show, we are joined by Ken Miller. He is the editor of Las Vegas Magazine. He's also a voracious movie and television watcher, buff, um, and a connoisseur of whiskey. <laughs> what, what do you have on tap? What are you drinking? I've got a Belgian white. Uh huh. Blue Moon, right? Blue Moon, I, yes. I, I see that. Uh, I am. I am drinking Evan Williams, which is has been my go-to now for years. I uh, I actually dabbled in pretty much every level of bourbon, Irish, Scotch, you you name it, throughout the years. Uh, spent untold sums of money, and I just came to the conclusion that Evan Williams for the quality. I mean, you you cannot beat the price. It it's and, and I really have to give a shout out to my son James because he's the one who really made me aware of that. And uh, it's it it's stuck. So good old James. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. him in a while. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe you could also give us a little bit of your background. Maybe uh, how you ended up at the uh, Las Vegas magazine. Oh man, where do I start? So I. <laughs> in Santa Maria at the Santa Maria Times. And I I just, I have to really say this quickly because I I would 
regret it if I didn't. I still remember vividly you and Shannon, and I, it, it kills me. I cannot remember his name. In my house, rehearsing her musical or musical play that she wrote for the love of God or lack thereof. Where yes, you, you and uh, oh, get, tell me his name. I'm sorry, I've forgotten. Luke. That was Luke, yes. I believe. Yes, Luke. You and Luke ended up in Canada. Yes, <laughs> that uh, that was quite the experience. Wow, that was that was really something to watch you guys work on that. I mean, it was it was like watching art in progress, and it, just a memory that I will never forget. I really treasure. So. You're, you're, you've been in my thoughts for a long, long time, long before we reached out on Facebook, long before we set this up. So just wanted to let you know. Uh, Likewise, always. you're you're the one who got me into like Monty Python and uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're, you're going to laugh at this, but for the first time in years, I turned on a Mystery Science Theater movie today to make myself <laughs> feel better because we got some really bad news today. <laughs> I needed to I needed to cheer me up, so I was watching Mystery Science. Wow, what are the odds <laughs> that I would mention it? Wow. I'm, I'm very happy, by the way, that I turned up to both of those things because they're both things that everybody should have part of their lives. So, yeah, so I thank you for that. Yes. But I mean, I guess I may as well talk about the bad news since that's why I'm here. Uh, but yeah. before I do, I just want more background just to kind of let your, bring your readers up to speed. Um, I was at the Santa Maria Times for quite some time, about, I'd say, 15 years, worked my way up uh, through multiple levels and finally kind of reached the top and thought, you know, there's there's got to be more. So I realized I had an opportunity to move to Las Vegas immediately because my wife had a job that at that time allowed her to transfer to Las Vegas without even applying. She, she could get a job there the next day without doing anything. So all I had to do was get a job and we were good. So I, I reached out, Cole called the editor of the Las Vegas Sun and he, he called a few people and apparently those people had good things to say. I was brought out there within a few weeks and uh, interviewed over two days and got the job almost immediately. And I started with the Las Vegas Sun in 2003. In 2005, when we were merged into the RJ, that's a long story that your listeners don't need to hear, <laughs> I kind of went proactive and realized I had to kind of make, make moves to make sure I could still have a job. So I went to work for Las Vegas Life, which was our company's magazine at the time. It was a monthly magazine, paid magazine, which as you can well imagine, didn't last long. Paid, paid magazines are in big trouble. So we lasted about two years. I moved over to Las Vegas Weekly in 2008. And in 2015, I moved to Las Vegas Magazine, which is where I work now. And Las Vegas Magazine is the in-room publication on basically almost every hotel room on the Strip. 98% of the rooms, 140,000 copies. If you are in a hotel room in Las Vegas, odds are you're going to see our magazine, which is the guide to everything you can do. And right now, we don't know what that is. <laughs> so yeah. we, are, we are currently waiting to reprint because, as I'm sure most of your readers know, the Las Vegas Strip was completely shut down uh, in the wake of uh, the coronavirus epidemic pandemic. And tonight was supposed to have been the night that our governor, Steve Sisolak, announced that the casinos were going to reopen. And Steve Sisolak apparently was exposed to the coronavirus, is in quarantine, and had to do a pre-recorded video, which we have not seen yet. So at the, at the moment that we're doing this interview, <clears throat> May 26th, I have no idea what he's going to say. I'm assuming it's still good news, but when the guy who's giving you this news just got the virus, 
who knows who knows what's going to happen at this point it it's a very uncertain time a very scary time i'd like to say that we'll come back but at the same time i feel a little nervous saying that because <laughs> who who knows you know who's healthy and who's not how do you determine that how do you figure that out i don't know so yeah it, it's everything is in, is in flux right now and I, I am optimistically saying that we will have our first print issue um, back in June 14th in the, in the, in the rooms. Uh, we haven't printed since March 28th. So that kind of gives you a sense of how long it's been. We will see. I, I hope that after we finish this interview, I will, you know, get online and find that press conference and it's all going to be good news. I'll also tell your listeners that uh, the tentative plan is that MGM Resorts International, which uh, operates quite a few properties on the Strip, is supposed to start by opening two. I believe it's uh, New York, New York, and Bellagio. Caesars Entertainment, which, like MGM, also operates quite a few properties, they're expected to open Caesars Palace in Flamingo. And then there's a a few scattered other properties throughout the Valley, uh, including Stations Casinos, which is known to most as a locals resort. That's where most of the locals go to play because they have nice rewards programs. And if you go there on a regular basis, you can, you can really make those points count. So they're expecting to open a few, a few independent properties, uh, Westgate, which is, uh, where Barry Manilow performs is ex- expected to open. Although Barry's not coming back anytime soon as, as are most of the other live shows. Right. And, uh, it, you know, it's, so at this point we really don't know how many, uh, properties will be open and how many rooms they'll actually be opening to the public. I know right, you know, right now for a fact that they are not going to open a hundred percent all of the rooms. They're going only going to open a certain percentage because they want to keep the the numbers to a minimum to allow for social distancing. So the strip is going to look when it does reopen, it's going to look very different than you know it did before. That's about the biggest update i can give your listeners i like i said maybe in the middle of this interview i'll hear an update from my wife on the the pre-recorded message giving us the good news yeah just uh check in with annette periodically (laughs) (laughs) she's always on social media she'll keep me posted oh my goodness so that kind of is then a good lead into my question then what is las vegas looking like right now currently Mm -hmm. right now we i would say the, the strip is still very much empty. You know, you can drive there, you can ride a bike there, you can walk there without a lot of traffic. Uh, there, there has been some traffic recently. I think it's mostly the employees going in and, and setting things up to reopen again. But for the most part, it, it I don't want to say ghost town, but it's very, very empty. God damn, I never rode in a convertible before. Is that right? Well, I guess you're about ready then, aren't you? Were you friends? Not like the others, man. Really? Get in. If you went to Vegas right now and wanted to do a bike ride, you'd probably have a, a, a very uninterrupted time. The rest of the town is kind of in a state of flux, like I said before, uh, as is the Strip. We are reopening certain sectors of the economy. We, have, we are reopening restaurants as long as they are willing to comply with guidelines. We're reopening salons. We're reopening nail salons. We're opening... Bars, taverns, breweries, golf courses. You can play tennis. We're reopening outdoor areas, although um, apparently those are starting to be so inundated that they've had to shut a few of them down. 
Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, Las Vegas, I mean, <clears throat> your, your readers may not know this, but we have a lot of very popular outdoor areas, and in, especially among locals. And when those areas open, reopened, uh, people could not wait to get back out there. So it's just, it's, like I said, it's like, like, like the strip. You have to reopen, but you have to monitor the numbers and make sure we don't overdo it like other some other states are doing right now you know we're we're closer to opening everything but it still it still seems a way away unfortunately it's meant a lot of the hospitality industry um still remains unemployed a lot of the retail industry still remains unemployed it's you know we we were hit big here because i mean it's no secret our economy is built on tourism and there's no tourists coming i think i read that you guys in las vegas had a 28.2% unemployment rate as of late April. That sounds about right. Yeah, the unemployment claims here are just unbelievable. And almost everyone around me that I know it has lost their job. It's it's real. It's happening. It's depressing. So, you know, like I said, obviously we're excited that we can start to reopen, but we want to do it right, you know? I mean, because our like I said, our bread and butter being tourism, we want to make sure that when people do come here, they feel safe. They feel like we have done our due diligence in making sure they're protected. So you're the um, editor of Las Vegas Magazine. As you mentioned, you're not printing magazines. So how has that affected uh, your magazine since this whole thing has started? I have a staff of three. I have a managing editor, an associate editor, and a editorial assistant. And then we have two graphic designers. None of them have been laid off. We're all still working. We are doing online only. And we decided that we were going to uh, be very positive in the messages that we were sending out. One of the, it's interesting, uh, <laughs> our typical web traffic is not super great, um, mostly because most of our readers are tourists. They don't, they don't go on the web and read about us. They read us in a print magazine. Which is, you know, which is fine because that's how we mainly exist. But we don't really get a lot of internet traffic because of that. During this this shutdown, our internet traffic has absolutely surged. We had a story that we ran on Friday in which we announced all the reopenings and in the soon to open announcements, and we got. I mean, I think the last number was sixty thousand hits. Now I know for a lot of websites. People might be thinking, oh, that's not a lot. For us, that's a lot. The, the thing that it showed me is that people cannot wait to come back here. I mean, they people are looking to Las Vegas for information on when do we open, what's going to be open, where can I go. They can't wait to come back here. At the same time, I'm a little scared that way too many people are going to want to come here at once. You know what I mean? So yeah. It, it's, you know, we're, we're keeping busy, we're keeping it positive, and we're, we're making it so that, you know, people... Uh, feel like, you know, Vegas is, is ready for you when you want to come back. The other, the other main thing that we did, which I'm really proud of, is we started a, a video series called Vegas at Home, in which we enlisted um, the help of a bunch of different people in town. We're talking entertainers, acrobats, athletes, hairstylists, bartenders, um, hospitality experts. I mean, just every sector of our economy is represented in the series. And Carrot Top. And Carrot Top is there too. We basically asked them, can you just in, you know, 10 minutes or less, you know, give our readers a taste or viewers a taste of what Vegas has to offer, what they have to look forward to when they come back here. 
the response has been unbelievable. We're now up to 32 videos and everybody just seems to love it. Um, it's basic, you know, our premise was we just want to give people a little joy in their life. We want to help them forget what's going on. If just for a few minutes at the same time, maybe teach you a new skill. Maybe, you know, if you want to like learn to cook a new dish, if you, you know, just whatever, but mainly the message was we are still here. We will be back and we can't wait to share this with you. So that was the basic premise. And I, I think it's been very successful. We're, we're continuing even through uh, reopenings. Uh, we've got a lot of people lined up and they, they still want to be a part of this, even though theoretically, by the time their video runs, they could be up and running again. Just a, a very good, strong message. And people are responding that they like it. I was really impressed with the uh, Vegas at Home project. Uh, you know, human beings, as we have said multiple times on our podcast, are social creatures. We need that connection. Right. And so this seemed like a really creative way for the performers, the acts, the chefs, the comedians, everyone to connect with the viewers, to connect with future tourists or what have you. How did that begin? Like, what was the impetus? Like, was that, whose idea was it, I guess? Well, the idea was kind of a group effort. We all kind of got together as a team, uh, all the different departments. I mean, it wasn't just Las Vegas Magazine. It was the, the social media team. It was the marketing team. It was everybody. And matter of fact, the person who is heading this up for us usually has nothing to do with the journalistic side of the website she, or, or the magazine. She's in charge of our events planning when we are up and running. And she does a sensational job at that. We have a series of meetings we call Elite and those have been amazingly successful. We, we schedule one a month, and now we're so in demand that we're having to actually think about twice a month because people really want to be part of this. But that, And she's the reason for that. But she's been the one kind of spearheading this, reaching out to all the different you know personalities. But we just basically kind of got together and just said, what would be something that people would really be looking for right now? And their unanimous decision was they want, they want to know that the strip is coming back. They want to know that people are everyone's not losing their jobs permanently, that we are coming back. This was kind of just that, you know, attempt. And because we're only on the web, because we don't have a print product anymore, it just made sense. Like put, post these videos on our website, link them to YouTube, and then, you know, do the whole Instagram campaign. And it's, yeah, it's caught on. Um, I think by far the the most popular video so far is Carrot Top. And he is, his was hilarious. I mean, he, he only did five minutes, but man, I was, I mean, he just had me in tears by the end. He's funny. He's just a funny guy. He gets a lot of bad press, but that guy is funny. He really is. If you, if you need proof, come here, see the show. I'll take you come here. I just, I'll, I'll get you tickets. I'll take you. I would love that. I go every January to Vegas. Um, a few years ago, I saw him going down the escalator, uh, at Excalibur. I had, a, I had to do a double take. I was like, is that Carrot Top? Blew my mind. There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live and too rare to die. He's pretty, he's pretty hard to miss, isn't he? Yeah, that, that fiery red hair. And he, that dude is <laughs> jacked. He is oh, yeah. so ripped. Yep. He, he, matter of fact, he and I are almost the exact same age. I, I just learned that a few years ago. Wow, you're pretty. Yeah. You're you're in good shape too, as I recall. Uh, you got some guns. I'm not as in good shape as Carrot Top, but I'm trying. 
<laughs> it would help if I drank less bourbon, I'm sure. Although I will say, in my defense, Carrot Top, in every show, this is the absolute truth, breaks out the Crown Royal and pours a shot for as many people as he can from one bottle. He wow. takes a bottle into the crowd and then he pours himself a shot. So the, the, the guy likes his booze. I can, I can attest to that, which is another reason I like him. <laughs> I need to go watch Carrot Top. Next, next January, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll take you. Thank. Oh, I pre- oh wow. I'm looking forward to January now. Sweet. <laughs> well, hey, every, I mean, uh, whatever. I, I don't know who to pray to at this point, but theoretically, all those shows should be back way before January. You should be good. Here's here's what I've been hearing. So it's it's likely that buffets will not be back anytime soon, if at all. That's it's kind of a sad thing because Vegas is kind of built on the buffet in a way. I think oh yeah. People would say that they love buffets in Vegas. But the reality is you can't really do it realistically with social distancing. And, and, and how would you work the tongs that, you know, everyone has to hold? And so there's that. That's probably going to be out. There was also talk that nightclubs might not be coming back soon, if at all. So that's oh, wow. another that could be hard hit. And that's a biggie. That's a huge part of Las Vegas right now. Yeah. Live entertainment is not, ex- is not expected to be back until next year. It, it, I mean, in terms of concerts. Um, I think in terms of production shows, it could be different, but they're still going to have to figure out, you know, seating. How, how is the seating going to work in the theaters? So there, I mean, there's a lot of big question marks right now. Um, of course, a lot of this is dependent on when the vaccine comes out, if it, if it ever does. That's when the, one of the nice things about capitalism, there's lots of companies now racing to get the vaccine out because they know how much money is in it. So yeah, in a way that's kind of a cold comfort that the greediness of people is, is, is possibly going to save us all, you know, but, True. but, you know, my, my hope is that by January, we won't be back to completely normal, but we'll be back to a state where you can plan a pretty decent evening out and you won't have to worry about things being canceled. Hopefully. So, you know, you mentioned at the outset, the issue with the governor, um, and how they were going to do the announcement, but then apparently they were exposed. Um, another political figure I wanted to discuss with you is your mayor, Carolyn Goodman. Oh, no. Do we really have to talk about Carolyn Goodman? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll keep it short. Oh, man. I, but I yeah. I, I saw her on Anderson Cooper. Uh, yeah, everybody did. Doesn't that sound like a virus Petri dish? I mean, how is that? No, what it sounds like you're being an alarmist. I'm not. a where she apparently suggested that Las Vegas could be a control group. You just said we'll be a control group. Excuse me. And to which Anderson Cooper basically said, wow, that's really ignorant. And then I guess now there's a recall effort underway. What what are your your thoughts? Well, uh, while we're on the subject of recall, let me also say, believe it or not, there's also a recall effort against Sisolak. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, there are people who want him out of office because he closed down the casinos. I'm not joking. It's it's a real thing. It's going on right now, and it's it, to me it's unbelievable. What choice did the man have? I mean, at the time, given the information we had, how could you possibly open the casinos and let people in from all sectors of the globe, and then and then send them back out into the world? That's that's just insane. I, I'm, it is. I'm sorry, it's insane to even think about that. Yeah. That being said, I don't want to be part of. <laughs> control group. I've been very careful about staying home as much as I can. I see my folks almost none. We've been to see them twice. They came here. We went there. Both times I was not comfortable. And I told them that. 
this is this is real. I mean, we have to be careful. So no, I don't want to be part of a control group, and I definitely don't support anything that Carolyn Goodman is in favor of. I just I, I'll leave it at that. In in the absence of testing kits, which we have now, we can actually get tested now. But in the absence of of knowing who has it and how many have it and who has the antibodies and who doesn't have it, why are we taking chances? Why are we risking lives for this? It makes no sense. It just, I'm sorry, it just makes no sense. You're talking disease. I'm talking life. I'm talking life and living. These are people okay, who have had to. No ab- yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think about how it's not just Las Vegas. It's also here in, in Santa Maria, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Pismo. You know, we're right here on the central coast. And there are so many people who basically want to throw all these bodies, you know, onto the the fires of the economy, basically, to keep it going. And it you have to have a balance, I guess. But I think we should err on the side of protecting people's lives, the vulnerable. Here's one thing about uh, Nevada and Las Vegas that a lot of people may not be aware of. The majority of our population is retirees. That's true. A huge portion of our economy are you know, these people that are coming to local casinos and spending money and or just going to the strip and having a nice night out. I mean, I'm not saying that should be a consideration because they're a huge part of the economy, but you can't just discount that portion of the population <laughs> in any case. I mean, it just makes, it makes no sense. And these are people's parents and grandparents. And I think about my grandparents, if they were still alive, if I'd want them risking their lives for this. Hell no. (laughs) It's not worth it. In a previous episode, I think two episodes before this one, I was talking to one of our guests about this issue. And I said, thank God they closed the Chumash Casino because, you know, Christina's grandmother loves to go. And uh, even when this was starting, she was still saying like, well, you know, I could go. And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. cannot go. We See, that's don't the, want these people going and getting sick. Right. And that's the thing about casinos. Let, let's be honest. There are people out there who have been itching to gamble ever since this thing started. They can't wait to get back. I've got a coworker who can't wait to go back and play bingo. I mean, this, this is, I mean, these are actual, like real considerations. These people cannot wait to get back. That's why we have to be so careful because we are opening the floodgates and literally people are going to flood this city. I am cons- I'm convinced of that. That was headquarters. You want me to go to Las Vegas at once. Make contact with a Portuguese photographer on the circuit. Sounds like real trouble. You're going to need plenty of legal advice before this thing is over. But, so, you know, what, whatever Sisolak wants to do, I'm supportive of it. I mean, if it means we wait a bit longer, it's, it's going to hurt. But again, I just, yeah. I cannot justify risking lives to do this. I can't do it. I can't. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And if you think about Vegas, it's it's a it's potentially a hotbed for the coronavirus. You have people touching the slot machine handles, people in large mm-hmm. crowds touching like blackjack cards, dice, just on and on and on. Is we I'm sure you as well don't want Las Vegas to be a place where visitors contract the virus and then go home and spread it. That's that's the biggest consideration is that not only do we have to worry about your safety here, we have to worry about your health when you return to wherever it is you came from. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've been thinking about this from day one, you know, because the coronavirus was out there before we really started to take it seriously. How many people did we send back out from Vegas with this? 
I've been, yeah. I think about that a lot. I mean, uh, you, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, it makes you, it makes you kind of humble to realize that the actions you take have consequences and we they, didn't act quick do. enough. We just didn't act quick enough. Uh, well, I mean, I think the country in general, especially from the federal government on down, didn't act quickly enough, unfortunately. Well, we take our cue from the top, don't we? We do, unfortunately. In this in this time, unfortunately. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. I was reading that uh, Vegas is looking at a $150 million deficit over the next eight, 18 months. I don't know. What's your kind of take on, and you, maybe you, you alluded to it a minute ago, but what's your take on the economic future of Las Vegas after this passes? For the time being, it seems like a lot of people who are filing for unemployment are getting it. And uh, yes, our system is overwhelmed like everyone else's, but I'm hearing more and more stories of people who are actually finally getting through, finally getting their money. So I feel like you know the people who are unemployed at least for the time being, should be okay. I mean, and there's a lot of forgiveness on loans. A lot of, a lot of landlords are forgiving rent because they just understand people right now can't, can't pay that. A lot of student loans are in forbearance, which means you don't have to pay your uh, interest on your loan for until a certain point. We're getting that stimulus money. It's not a lot over the long run. I mean, it, it just couldn't... <laughs> I think about places that have huge you know, uh, cost of living, what $1,200 would actually do for those people. I mean, Nevada, in Nevada, we have a pretty decent standard of living. So it actually does mean something, but I think in a lot of, in a lot of areas it doesn't, but anyway, I, I think, I think, yes, that that's a huge shortfall, but it's not as bad as the rest of the country. Honestly, I look at some of the other areas of, of the, uh, the country and what they're looking at economically. We seem to be doing okay. And, like I said, we are reopening certain sectors. So we are bringing back, you know, certain workers. Others are like waiting for tonight's announcement to see if they're going to be able to come back to work. Once the casinos reopen or the resorts reopen, huge. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of people instantly reemployed. That's big. So I think we'll be okay. I think Nevada will actually weather this relatively well. And I, I hope I'm not being pie-dyed here, but it just, it feels like from everyone I'm talking to and what I'm seeing that we are, we're in better shape than most are because here, here's another thing about our economy that I think um, bodes well. When the, when the stations reopens, those are locals casinos. That means we don't need tourists to come here to stimulate the economy. We can have just locals. Like I said, everyone wants to come back, do their gambling, do their bingo, whatever. And that, that will happen those casinos will fill up again. The other nice thing about those places is they don't have to worry about live entertainment. They don't have to worry about nightclubs. They don't have to worry about pool clubs. They're basically just gaming and dining. So both of those sectors should be relatively safe once the measures are put in place. So I, I do have a, I, I have a strong sense that when we start to reopen, we'll come back pretty good. I mean, unfortunately, there's a couple of properties that are closed. I think will remain closed for quite some time, mainly because of the investment that was made in them. But, you know, I mean, we've, we've rebounded from horrible crashes before. This is, I think this is definitely the worst. But yeah. we have rebounded, and I think we'll do it again. I mean, I'm just thinking about, for example, the Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders will be playing. Those right. seats are sold out, and those people who purchase the seats... They're going to need 
hotels and casinos and food, et cetera. I can see where that alone will bring in a lot of tourism back to Las Vegas. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't hurt that the first game is against the Saints. (laughs) I mean, yeah, the the, the Raiders, I I really hope we get a football season at this point. I, I honestly can't say if we will, but I certainly hope we do. Governor Sisolak was, he took some heat because he closed everything down, but he left open construction of Allegiant Stadium. And subsequently, some of the construction workers there contracted coronavirus. Oh, no. So that, that yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, but you could have seen that coming. So, no, I think, I think he took some heat for that. But I think he, he realized and, and suspected, as, uh, as a good governor would, that football is definitely reality. And there's enough time that we could still have a season. And if we do... Oh my gosh, that's a huge boost to our economy. I mean, you can't even, uh, I'll give you a quick example. The NFL draft, which was canceled, uh, was supposed to be in Las Vegas. There was one hotel sort of near the strip. I think it was a Motel 6. Just guess, within $100, how much a room was at that hotel the weekend of the draft? Ooh, I'm going to go with $1,200. Ooh, Wow. Okay, well, you you overshot. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't oh. have done. I actually just told you. It, I'm it was so eight, bad. It was, was eight hundred. Okay, so, still so, really high. Yeah, still really high. So it kind of gives you an idea of what we're looking at economically when NFL gets here. I mean, it's it's going to be big, huge, and I know Sisolak understands that. So you know, fingers crossed, we do get the NFL here, and as my wife just uh, generously pointed out to me, the NHL, and we have the Vegas Golden Knights which, you know, great local team, their first season, they almost won the Stanley Cup. So that's that's exciting. And uh, Major League Baseball announced that they're coming back, I think, in the beginning of July, which doesn't really affect us, but just kind of shows you that sports are definitely back on the radar. Everyone wants to come back. The NBA, I, I, they might be the lone holdouts at this point. I'm not sure they're anxious to come back because that's a huge high-contact sport. And, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I'm I'm very optimistic that we get a a Raiders you know first season here starting in September. So yeah, that would be great for Las Vegas. Um, I I went by two years ago and they were just laying down the foundation. It's and then bad. I was and then I was there this January and it looked like they had made a lot of progress. And now it's done. Oh, it's done. Oh yeah, they're they're putting the landscaping outside. It looks it looks fantastic. It really does. It looks like a big black UFO. Some call some people call it the Death Star. You may fire when ready. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, that's funny. Looking forward, what will be the new normal for Vegas? Like, if I walk into a casino, you know, sometime in the next six months, what will the new normal be? Wow, lots, lots of things. Uh, for one, you're going to be thermally scanned before you can enter a property, and you will be stopped if your temperature is too high. I'm not sure what the, uh, you know, over under would be in terms of what they would find acceptable, but you are going to be scanned. You're going to be um, not required, but suggested that you do your check-in on your phone. And when you're done in your room, uh, you know, you're ready to check out, you do it on your TV. Mm. They're trying to minimize the interaction with staff as much as possible. There's going to be hand washing stations. There's going to be hand sanitizer stations. There's going to be uh, rubber gloves available. Uh, you're going, to, I mean, er, everything is going to be different. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. 
you're going to be required not to crowd a blackjack table or a poker table or a craps table. You're going to be required to have spacing between uh, slot machines. So you won't be right next door to someone anymore. You might be three, four feet. I mean, I'm not sure what the safe distance is going to be by the time they reopen. Right now it's six. Could be different by the time we reopen. I, I don't know. The areas at certain tables might have plastic part or plexiglass partitions between them. So imagine a blackjack table, that semicircle with yeah. little little plastic dividers between you and everyone you're playing with. Yeah, it's and the it, dealer. It is good. Yeah, and the dealer. And it is going to, I mean, I'm not sure if people are going to take to it right away or some people will be turned off by it. That'll be really interesting. I'm, my guess is that no one's going to care. As long as you can still get up to a table, spend your money, and have that thrill of gambling, no one's going to care. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine like Hunter S. Thompson there in Las Vegas all, you know, spun out on acid or, you know, smoking a cigarette. His, 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 his trunk full of drugs. We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers, also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, and two dozen amyl. Yeah, and trying to be socially distant. I, I guess that was from a bygone era anyway. Oh, he, he'd be thrown out of the hotel right away in the new normal. <laughs> I'm a relatively respectable citizen. Multiple felon, perhaps, but certainly not dangerous. <laughs> so I will be going to Vegas again this January. Um, I'll be there for three days. So let's imagine that I have three full days. Kind of what would you recommend that I do? Like, what are some places to eat or a hotel to stay in or a casino to check out or a show or something, what would you recommend? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, huh. you know how I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer it as if the strip was open as it was before all this happened. Like you, yeah. you, you were going to come over this January. I would say, so you wanted what a show, a dinner and what was it? Like a casino or something. Okay. Oh man, you're making me pick favorites. That's tough. Oh, sorry. Uh, one, of the, one of the things about Las Vegas Magazine is we're very democratic. Every, every property, every venue gets the same treatment. We don't give out awards. We don't have a best of. We don't do any of that. So I try to remain as neutral as I can. But, you know, in the spirit of, you know, giving you a nice night out, I would say I would stay at, wow, so many good choices. I would stay at the Venetian. Mm. My wife and I actually stayed there. We uh, we did a what do you call it anniversary type of staycation, and it was it was amazing. I mean that that room is <laughs> it's not not quite the hangover suite, but it was pretty memorable. And <laughs> no tigers. No 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 tigers. Uh, no no. Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Phil, do not go in the bathroom. Al, just calm down. Sweet. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. Oh <laughs> you, you, you get it. Um, as, as far as dinner goes, oh, man. Uh, any preference for uh, what type of food you like? Oh, we we're from Santa Maria, so we love our steak, our barbecue. You love your steak. Ooh, man. Uh, steakhouse might be the toughest choice. There are so many good ones here. I would say, wow, my... 
probably my favorite steak experience since I've been here is a place that unfortunately is no longer here. It was Nine Steakhouse at the Palms. And that that's one of the properties that's actually expected to close for quite some time, not reopen. So that's out. But assuming that the D reopens, it's called the D, it's downtown. And it, it, the D stands for Detroit because it's owned by a man who comes from Detroit. Hmm. And it's called Joe Andiamo's Italian Steakhouse. It's it's quite it's quite a mouthful. Uh-huh. And it, the Italian kind of throws you off because you don't expect an Italian steakhouse. But this place is as old school as you're going to get. They do all the table-side preparation. They do a table-side uh, salad preparation. They do a table-side everything. And they serve it the steak with this thing called zip sauce, which is a ultra-secret recipe that once you've tried it, you will not, you will be counting the days until you go back to get another steak there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Awesome. So it, the, the, the shorthand version is Andiamo's Steakhouse. Andiamo's. I'm taking notes here, mental notes. And then what show should I check out while I'm down there? Oh, man. The, we, we had, for the first time this year, we had a Hall of Fame issue. And our unanimous first Hall of Fame selection was Absinthe at Caesar's Palace. Ooh. If you have not been to Absinthe, you are really missing out. It is one of the most entertaining, insane, hilarious, exciting, sexy shows you will ever see. I think I did see ads for it in one of the magazines, maybe yours, when you, I was there last time. If, if, you, if you want a second opinion, talk to Katie. <laughs> I, oh, I will hit her up. I, I took Katie and Damien, and I've never seen my daughter laugh harder than I have at that show. Wow. I got to check it out then. <laughs> Better than Blue Man Group. Did you ever see that Blue Man Group? Total ripoff of the Smurfs. And the Smurfs. They suck! Oh, Blue Man Group is great. I mean, uh, yeah, that, there are so many good choices. Blue Man Group is is so close to my heart. I've probably seen them seven times. Oh, and wow. I never, I just never get tired of that show. It's, it's just... It's basically just kind of like the id of music because those guys on stage, they're not really characters. They're just kind of representations yeah. and they're responding to the music that they make. And it's, it's just unbelievable. The feeling you get from that show. I, I don't know anybody I've seen at that show who doesn't get up and dance by the end. Uh, I still have not seen it, but oh, you, you got to go someday. When I was 21, I went to Vegas I have a picture of me sitting at a slot machine, um, cigarette in one hand, beer in the other hand. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just living the dream. But uh, on that particular trip, we went and saw Penn and Teller. Yes. I loved that show. Was that at Rio? I believe so. Yes. And I got to meet them afterwards. Awesome yes. guys. Yes. I've, I've only seen the show once. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I've seen it twice. Both times just had a, an absolutely fantastic time. I, and those guys are always changing what they do, which it makes me sad because it probably means there's a lot of iterations of that show I haven't seen. <laughs> but, the, but but the two I saw were almost completely different, and it was just such a. It, I mean, you 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 don't you don't just get the magic; you get the personalities of Penn and Teller. You get their belief system. You get their their attitude. They're wanting to debunk all this, you know. Uh, ridiculousness about the magic industry, how some people want to use it for profit. I just, I, I really have a huge respect for Penn and Tower. 
Um, unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't make our Hall of Fame first ballot. Uh, we gave that to David Copperfield because wow. we just figured, you know, I'm sorry, it had to be one or the other. But man, Penn and Teller are definitely, I, I can guarantee you, they're going to be on the Hall of Fame next year. They should be. When I went and saw them, you know, to your point, uh, they did this amazing trick. I can't remember exactly how it went, but I do remember that after the trick, Jose, Jose, I got to stop you because please, as Joe, as Joe Bluth said in the rest of development, it's illusion, not trick. Oh, thank you. A, a trick is something a hooker does for money. <laughs> Hang on a sec. That's part of your trick, right? No, that's not my trick, Michael. It's my illusion. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that clarification. After they did that illusion, right, which was amazing, they then walked through. They stripped down the set and then walked through step by step how they accomplished it. They yep. pulled the curtain back literally and showed you how they accomplished it. That's that's what I'm saying. They they love debunking all this foolishness about how people are duped into thinking that this is real magic or that there's something else behind the veil. Um, they are, I mean, they're, they're one of the people, you know, the duos that I think that really helped to expose this whole psychic ridiculousness, how they bilk people out of all their bank account, trying to contact their loved ones, that sort of thing. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm huge fans of theirs. I love their show on Showtime. I can't say it on your podcast cause it's a curse yeah. word, but <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. That that kind of thing. Just the way that they spend their careers letting people know this is just an act, folks. It's just entertainment. That's all we do. It's nothing more than that. And they're great at it. They're oh, absolutely performers. Um, and then I've I've kept you over time. Um, it's okay. But I have one final question. What is as we wrap up here? What is your favorite Vegas-based movie? And then how accurate is it? That's it's interesting that you asked that last part because before I moved here, didn't even think about the fact that the movie was set in Vegas. I just kind of went with it. And now that I've lived here for almost 17 years, actually just about 17 years, every time I watch a Vegas space movie, I'm looking for accuracy. I'm looking for, <laughs> okay, like like there's this one movie with Kurt Russell. It's called 3,000 Miles to Graceland yes. where they they rob a Vegas casino, but in one scene, they're in the Riviera, and in the, in the very next scene, they're in some different property. That kind of thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm definitely I was checking for that. It, it I, I've kind of decided that that's a fool's errand because they all do it. They all go for this stylized version of Vegas. However, it takes to get to that point, they don't care. So there <laughs> there there is no there is no continuity uh, award for any Vegas based movie. It's it's more I think it's more the way the movie makes you feel, you know, so I guess based on that. Oh, man, so many good choices. But I, I do love Ocean's Eleven. The the first oh. Ocean's Eleven is just yeah. such a, a near and dear movie to my heart. Look, just out of curiosity, which casinos did you geniuses pick to rob? Bellagio, the Bellagio, the Mirage and the MGM Grand. Those are Terry Benedict's casinos. I, I don't know if it's just the whole lumping all the MGM properties together and how they just rob them all or the Bellagio fountain shot at the end. But it's, it's just such a, it's such a quintessential Vegas feeling movie. And you've got the, the Elvis track, you know, a little less conversation that they keep playing throughout the thing. I mean, it's just, 
it's it's yeah far and away for me my my all-time favorite say we get into the cage and, and through the security doors there and down the elevator we can't move and past the guards with the guns and into the vault we can't open without being seen by the cameras oh yeah sorry i forgot to mention that yeah well say we do all that uh, we're just supposed to walk out of there with a hundred and fifty million dollars in cash on us without getting stopped yeah i love that movie i'm so glad you mentioned that um because then the movies after that weren't as good no well because they weren't set in vegas <laughs> uh, <laughs> just watch oceans 11 but that, no, and, yeah, you're and, right. and definitely avoid oceans 8 while we're at it oh my goodness that was so horrible somebody has to look i'll look no i will decide okay i will decide just give me a, just give me a second <laughs> so bad <laughs> oh but uh, that whole Bellagio scene, ah, oh, that mm-hmm. was actually really surprisingly touching. That, oh, quick, quick uh, postscript to that: we gave the Bellagio Fountains a Hall of Fame award this year. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't see how you can not think of Vegas right now and not think of the Bellagio Fountains, and that's directly because of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I I will try to time it whenever I go to Vegas to watch. It's like a twenty-minute water show, right? Uh, give or take. I mean, I think it's uh, it's every I'm going to say every 15 minutes that the show oh, okay. is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you just want to stand there for a while, you'll you'll catch it. But honestly, I go to the strip a lot as part of my job to cover various shows and events. And there's never a point where I'm not crossing by the Bellagio fountains where the crowds aren't just I can't even see the fountains every yeah. single time, every single time. Oh, oh, and sorry, one more quick update. We just found out today courtesy of the review journal which is our rival publication but hey i'll give them a shout out the bellagio fountains will be back on as part of the reopening which i think is a pretty good sign that the bellagio will be one of the properties open (laughs) that's good news that's awesome hey hey, we tied hey we tied that that answer in perfectly to the information didn't we (laughs) (laughs) i did not i did not plan it that way i promise no that's perfect well thank you so much for joining me on my humble little podcast, Ken, and for making time for me. That's um, so much fun. This was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you in in person in January. You you better. I I'll will. Be looking for, I'll be looking forward to it because you're you're going to be the guy who's going to show me like how to enjoy Vegas. I'll give it the old college try. That's for sure. <laughs> Where can our uh, listeners find you guys? Uh, anything that our readers want to see or listeners want to see can be found at lasvegasmagazine.com and it will include all of the Vegas at home videos. It will include all of our various web content that we are putting together to make this a more enjoyable time for everyone. We hope everyone, you know, looks forward to coming back here because we certainly enjoy or look forward to seeing you coming back here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ken. Have a great evening. You too. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck if you've ever All right, that's our interview with Ken Miller. Thank you, Ken, so much for being on our show. Before we wrap up in this segment of our show, we'd like to talk about something we're reading or watching um, or listening to. All right, babe, so what do you have for us this week? So this week, uh, I don't have anything grand or special. Uh, but I have been watching a lot of uh, reaction videos, uh, specifically 
music reaction videos. And um, as you know, I'm obsessed with music, anything music, all genres. And I kind of stumbled across them on YouTube. And I started watching um, uh, Jamel, a.k.a. Jamal. He cracks me up. Mike, if if you can see this video, if this video reach you, brother, please tell me how many damn voices do you sing in? Now you got it like kind of like a rap going on. What in the hell? He watches these videos, you know, and a lot of these songs he's never heard. Not a genre he would probably normally listen to. I mean, he's reviewing. Chris Stapleton or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's just completely blown away. And the faces, like, as you, I, I don't know, I guess I get pleasure out of watching someone uh, listen to and watch these music videos for the first time and finding all the emotional highs and, and everything that naturally comes out of these songs and people's reactions to them. But, you know, he's not like classically trained in music in any capacity. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy that watches these videos. And that's what I love about watching his videos. Mm -hmm. But I do also watch uh, Rebecca. Uh, she goes by Rebecca Vocal Athlete. And she is an actual music teacher. She's a vocal coach. And she herself has an amazing voice. And so when I watch her and her reactions and, and her just kind of processing what she's hearing and what she's seeing and she's able to uh, communicate, you know, oh, this person, you know, is going into this range and, and she's able to dissect it a bit more, mm -hmm. which I appreciate. With her training and her knowledge. Yes, exactly. got such an incredible tone he has that ability to sustain with power with ease and he just glides and he has somewhat some sexy sexy distortion to his voice that we can only dream of and then i also listen to beth roars and she is also a vocal coach so um you know these girls they're listening to tool and they're reviewing them mm -hmm. so those notes they were a's again very high they were controlled but they had that kind of slight growl behind them which made them feel like a shout it felt so desperate they're listening to uh vicente fernandez and they're reviewing them or jose 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 and it is just amazing so i love that these vocal coaches um aren't just sticking to uh, a particular genre, but they are actually branching out and listening to all genres mm -hmm. across the board and finding the um, just beauty and amazing talent in all of these different voices. Yeah. So I've just been really enjoying watching these. Cool. I have, I've watched uh, some of them with you. Yeah, they're, they're very interesting. Yeah. I don't really... Listen it's not to, your cup of tea, darling. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of music. I'm yeah. more of a podcast guy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I find it interesting as well. So, yeah. thank you for enlightening me. You know, I, I have to add this one thing, and I think I could kind of do the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
let me set up my tripod and watch a bunch of these music videos and really kind of get in depth. I'm not saying that I am a vocal coach. I am mm-hmm. not saying that, you know, I'm authority on the matter um, or an expert, but just somebody who has a deep appreciation and love for the craft. And, you know, some of these people, not the people that I mentioned, but some of these people are just, it's, ridiculous like anybody could do this right you yeah. watch one of their videos you've seen them all yeah it's the same kind of like whoa cool yeah it's nothing right really deep or profound yeah but that's why i usually prefer the vocal coaches over just you know the joe schmo mm-hmm. i think you could do it you have um, a lot of knowledge in terms of the music industry bands artists and i think you can make a lot of connections like, this reminds me of this band, or this is from the 90s when this was happening. Right, right. I think you could make those kinds of interesting connections. Well, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) My brain just has uh, this capacity to remember band names, lyrics, just the retention for Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, so. And I have none of it. (laughs) But that's okay. Yeah. All right, so this week I watched... The Disney Plus show Gallery, which is kind of the behind-the-scenes documentary or docu-series about the making of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It's eight episodes. Awesome. I love going behind the scenes, watching the showrunner would be John Favreau. Uh-huh. I think he kind of oversees the arc of the season. Mm-hmm. And then he will have roundtable discussions with the other directors. Um, he'll have roundtable discussions with the actors, producers, the people like Kathleen Kennedy, right? And they'll look at the technology that went into making the special effects, um, like rear projection screens instead of a lot of green screen. Which I thought was amazing. Yeah, and then the practical effects, like yeah. building you know, the costume for the little Ugnaught character that mm-hmm. uh, was voiced by Nick Nolte. Yeah. Right? Or the music, or which, you know, Gotta love Star Wars music. Yeah. The legacy of Star Wars, like the legacy of George Lucas and how this series fits into the overall, I guess, universe of Star Wars. But not only that, also George Lucas's, um, his inspiration, Mm -hmm. the things that he drew from, they also wanted to focus on that, not just Star Wars as a legacy, Mm -hmm. but those things that he drew inspiration from. To create the legacy. Right. So kind of like looking at Buck Rogers, the space shows with the 50s and 60s. Yeah. The spaghetti westerns with like the vest, like Han Solo would wear, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of like the vests that cowboys would wear. He was the space cowboy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, with his guns and dueling, shooting Greedo, you know, kind of like in a bar or a saloon. Then also kind of borrowing from samurai films. Yeah. The Kurosawa movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really interesting. And you get to hear from Kathleen Kennedy, who kind of learned from George Lucas. Yeah. And then people like Dave Filoni, who, you know, if you know about this kind of stuff, he worked on Star Wars Clone Wars. I believe he also worked on Rebels. Um, he directed one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. But, you know, he was George Lucas's right hand man. And in one of the bits, he kind of goes through the overall arc of the Star Wars movies being about family. And it all kind of starts with Qui-Gon Jinn sort of being like the adoptive father Mm. for Anakin. Yeah. 
because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi. And you get that in the movie and Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs. So he's fighting for Anakin and that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life is gonna be dramatically different. So Qui-Gon loses, of course. And he just kind of breaks it all down. He kind of sheds new light on these movies like Phantom Menace, which is universally hated. Yeah, but the agreed. Way he ex- yeah, but the way he explains it, it's kind of like, okay, he's adding kind of a layer to this movie that seems one-dimensional. But, and that's all in the context of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Which makes that show, which is only eight, eight episodes, much richer and more interesting. So if you have Disney+, Plus, go check it out. It's a gallery. Check it out. Yeah, that I really enjoyed watching uh, that docu series, and just the fact that he, uh, he being John Favreau, had all of these other directors come in and each singly direct a different episode. I was like, ah, there's so much that could go wrong mm-hmm. as far as you know the whole scale of everything. But um, I really feel like each director brought so much Mm -hmm. to each individual episode and it was it was linear it just fit perfectly and um yeah to them i i I was just blown away by the whole yeah so each director brought in a different genre even yeah it's like one director brought in the horror film element yeah and then taika watiti had this like i love taika i love taika so awesome yeah he had the epic finale, which also had bits of humor in it, which is totally Taika. Yeah. And then, you know, he did the voice for IG-88. Just all these things mm-hmm. were just, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great series. And then this behind-the-scenes docu-series was also, yeah, awesome. You to pull the curtain back a little bit. Yeesh. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.